0: White Sox fans and welcome in to another edition of the Sox on tap postgame show it's Tony Marchese alongside NWI Steve Steve it's two in a row how you feeling my friend
1: hey yo Anthony it's always nice to uh beat the Cleveland whatever they want to call themselves these days um you know bringing out the whooping sticks the last couple of days you you like to see that
0: yeah you uh you're a big fan of uh home runs Steve are you not it is
1: hashtag confirmed that I do like when the ball goes over that fencing that they set up
0: prior to the game. Uh, plenty of those have been coming for the White Sox of late. Um, and it's it's nice to see um, them deploying the multi-home run strategy that you talk so much about. Um, and uh, that's sort of the title here, Bombs Away. There's so many fireworks today, Steve. So many fireworks at the ballpark. I believe you were there yesterday, got to see some fireworks um fireworks are awesome i love them
1: yeah i was gonna say I, i've heard on on the streets and on a little website known as i believe it's pronounced water.com that you are a proponent of the fireworks not just on our nation's birthday is that hashtag confirmed
0: that is that is absolutely hashtag confirmed in fact i i also enjoy fireworks uh, when the Sox win and when the ball goes over the fence that uh, you've uh, aforementioned there. Um, <clears throat> we'll get to some of those home runs in just a second. Before we do, be sure you're going to OnTapSportsNet.com for all of your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Follow the show at SoxOnTap on Twitter. Follow Steve at NWI underscore Steve. Myself at TonyOnTap. And make sure you subscribe to the YouTube on Tap Sportsnet. That's youtube.com slash sportsnet So you can hop in here, throw some comments in here. I see Voodoo's already in there doing that. Um, and uh, just join us on these postgame shows. Steve, Mike Clevenger today goes out, pitches himself a hell of a ball game. I thought Lance Lynn did excellent yesterday going deep into these ball games. Um, and we've got two victories here uh, today by a final of seven to two. Just a couple of crooked numbers on this box score, Steve, and, and they came via those home runs. So we'll get into this right here. Uh, Cleveland does touch up Clevenger in the first inning, Steve, but he settles in after that. Um, I believe, yeah, six innings. He does give up two earned. He left with some trouble there. We'll we'll talk about the Reynaldo Lopez inning, I'm sure, in just a minute. Strikes out five um, and does walk four today, but I thought it was a pretty good outing from Mike Clevenger.
1: You know, he did a good job of going out there and limiting the damage. Look, we all know that uh, the Cleveland Ball Club is the very definition of a Punch and Judy lineup there, Um, especially with Jose Ramirez not in the lineup, being on the paternity uh, list here for this week. Is it paternity or bereavement? It's, It's one of the two. Regardless, he's not here to cause us nightmares. Um, so he's not in the lineup. Uh, Dick face, Josh Naylor wasn't in the lineup tonight. So, you know, you take those two socks killers out of there and this is a very pedestrian lineup. So, um, to see club kind of go out there and, you know, go after guys, like, like, like you said earlier in the intro there, the four walks, that's a little high for my liking, but uh, being able to cover those 18 outs, Um, on a day when the offense went out there and gave him a nice cushion. That's definitely what you want to see happen in this instance, Um, kind of coming off the bad week that they had a week, you know, last week in Kansas city and at home against Houston to have back-to-back quality outings from your starting pitchers here to um, begin this series here against a divisional opponent. You do like to see that and hopefully that can help to kind of build a little bit of positive momentum here. They've, Played, I, I would say at least passable baseball. It hasn't been entirely clean. Uh, we got to be honest with with ourselves from that perspective. You know, the defense still has not um, been what you would call crisp by any stretch of the imagination here, but they've done enough to uh, put two in the left-hand column, and I think that's what's important, and Club helped with that tonight.
0: Absolutely, Steve, and yeah, there's some there's some work to be done on the defensive side of the of uh, the baseball diamond here for the Chicago White Sox. Uh, but let's let's talk about some bats. Um, White Sox, like I said, do give up a run in the first, but Gavin Sheets, man, ever since we did that soft toss drill, he's been hitting them out of the ballpark. Uh, second home run in as many days. That's his sixth. That was in the second inning. Uh, Vaughn also goes yard in the fourth. And Berger in the fourth as well. Steve, bombs away, man.
1: You know, it's really fascinating to actually have two first basemen that, um, you know, have slugging percentages that are higher than 250. So you certainly enjoy seeing that uh, sort of thing happen there. And, you know, it kind of makes me wonder. Did you bring or did you procure one of those eye pitches? And is that what you and Gavin have been working on in, in the backyard here? Because, you know, my sauces are telling me that uh, Ozzy went on about a 10-minute rant about how it's not really that useful in the postgame show here. So uh, that's that's going to make for some interesting viewing theater uh, later on here tonight. But is that what you guys have been working on in the backyard there, is using that eye pitch at home?
0: You know, I can't really confirm what technology we're using uh, here at uh, Casa de Marchese, a.k.a. A- 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 uh, the Gavin Sheets training facility. But uh, we're-, we're putting in a lot of work, and it- it's starting to pay off some dividends. Um, and we'll see what uh, what else we can kind of conjure up here uh, throughout the remainder of the season. Uh, I just really love the fact that you know we've got six long balls already this season. We're going to try and get into double digits before Jose Abreu hits his first. It's something we were talking about.
1: That would be just a a real shame for certain people on Twitter that like to breathe through their mouth and are very loud and obnoxious. That would be a real, how do you say, tough scene for for them. But we would certainly enjoy that. Um, You being a proponent of of the fireworks, me being a proponent of the multi-home run strategy, which has been deployed on multiple consecutive nights now. I love to see it.
0: It's fantastic. It absolutely is fantastic when the White Sox are doing this. They're able to add a couple other runs. I thought, you know, just a couple of other offensive plays here, Steve, that that took place, the Jake Berger triple. That was a sight to behold.
1: One has to really question at this point if it's just the power of the mustache at this point. Um, You can't really quantify what a good, powerful mustache can do for a man. You know, there, there's just there's some guys out there that you just you get that mustache on them and they just become a totally different guy. And they really become unstoppable. And we're starting to wonder here now, is Jake Berger now that guy? And we're going to have to continue to monitor this as uh, more details emerge, as we say here in the business.
0: Yeah, that's it's an interesting theory. I mean, it worked for Dylan Cease last season. Um, you've seen, uh, I believe Matt Davidson has deployed the mustache strategy in the past, um, that led to some positive results. It's something that let's well, not forget about Jose Valentin. That's That's an all-time White that's Sox another, mustache there. That's another one, but this burger mustache might go down in, in the White Sox mustache hall of fame is, is what I'm trying to get to here, Steve. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely changed his game, so to speak.
1: And, you know, just that power stroke that he's got coming along with it here uh since coming off the IL, it's really like he has not missed a beat at all. And I'm still fascinated by the fact that we're continuing to do this thing where one of the team's best and most productive run producers is hitting in the second cleanup spot. Um, It's a bold strategy, certainly, Pedro.
0: Um, Not necessarily one that I would utilize
1: personally. Let's,
0: let's just talk about this lineup again because – that's not even the most egregious thing here, in my opinion. What are what are you defining as the most egregious? <laughs> I still think that Tim Anderson has no business leading off with the slump that he's in right now. Okay, that's
1: okay. I'll I'll, I'll I, give you that one.
0: I mean, outside of I believe Hanser Alberto and Andrew Vaughn, and it, Timmy's raised his batting average a couple of points here over the past two days with a couple of hits tonight. Um, he had a couple of hits yesterday, I believe as well. Um, I think we've almost seen a 20 point increase in his batting average in just these past two games,
1: all singles, though.
0: they're all singles. And I know he hit the ball in the first inning to left field, which is new for him. Um, but you can't really send anything out there with Kwan patrolling left field. He's going to track that shit down. No problem. Uh, I I'd like to see Timmy slot down in this order. I'd like to see Berger slot up. Um, you know, I, I, don't know if it's been days your answer in the, in the leadoff spot right now, uh, but definitely been hitting more doubles than Tim Anderson at this juncture. I don't know what your thoughts are here, yeah, but, I'm, uh, I mean, neither of those guys are going to hit a home run anyway, so I guess they're sort of interchangeable, but I, I'd like to see Tim Anderson start driving the ball and, and worry less about the whole, just hit a single thing. Um. And I think if we slot him down in the order, it might you know give him a little bit of a spark.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's a bad idea at this point. From everything I'm kind of hearing, that is just essentially a non-starter for whatever the reason is. Um, you know, I think the idea of Noodle Boy and his 85 mile an hour exit velocity doubles, you know, being in the leadoff spot. I mean, it's just kind of is what it is at this point. I saw some people in my little sphere on twitter.com suggesting maybe yoan Mankata in the leadoff spot. We saw that experiment, uh, back in, I want to say that was 2018 and that, that's not really a path I'm, I'm looking to go down again, to tell you the truth. Um, so I, I guess you probably do want to just go with noodle boy at, uh, at, at, that spot. Um, you know, the other thing too, is, I mean, you know, <sighs> Jake Berger hitting below Andrew Vaughn. I, I know Vaughn, you know, left the yard here this evening, but um, you know Vaughn's slug dipped below four hundred yesterday. There's no reason that Jake Berger should be hitting below him um, at this juncture here. Again, given that he has been one of the guys that has consistently produced power which this team has so desperately needed um, for much of this season and into last year. So there's no reason for him to be hitting in the eighth slot here. So there's a lot of things that I would personally rearrange from a lineup construction standpoint. But, um, you know, Pedro, I guess, has his thought process on, on all of that. And it's um, an interesting one. And I guess that's the nicest way I can put it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, there's some interesting comments coming in here as well. Berger is my first baseman from Voodoo. I I wanted to probably bring this up more on a Sunday Funday show, but the Andrew Vaughn thing right now is sort of a redundant piece and the most redundant piece amongst the couple of guys who are going to be, you know, vying for at-bats here as soon as Eli Jimenez comes back. So, Maybe that's some foreshadowing on, on a further discussion there. But Steve, you have any sort of thoughts on what we're gonna see with Andrew Vaughn's at bats when this roster gets closer to uh to, to full capacity? I mean, from everything
1: that we've seen and heard to this point, I mean they're going to, you know, continue to ride out Andrew Vaughn. I mean, this is a guy that was you know, a number three pick in the draft and they've really staked their claim to him organizationally. And um look, I, I think the lost development time from the COVID season hurt him a lot. And I know a lot of people don't want to really talk about that, but we're seeing it here. And you would think that by, by this point, a guy that is in his third full season at the major league level that we would see more power production at this point. I'm trying to pull up, you know, as, as of right now here, I mean, it's, there's just not enough slug there. And everybody wants to talk about the weighted runs created plus and everything. And, and yeah, it's, it's above league average and all, but I mean, the fact of the matter is, you know, there's just not enough slug there. I mean, he's, he's slugging 424 on the year and that's with tonight's home run. He's got a 109 WRC plus. I'm sorry. That's not enough. I I talked about this before the season. We want more. Yeah, that's not enough for a right-hand hitting bat-only first baseman. That's just not enough. I need that slug to start with a five. That just that just doesn't do it for me. Um, You know, so all the talk, and I know I pushed back on this before the season started, and a lot of people, again, you know, were kind of coming at me a little bit. But this whole notion, this belief that just because he was going to be standing on dirt was all of a sudden going to turn him into a masher, I tried to caution people about that. And we're kind of seeing that right now. Um, hopefully tonight is, is the kind of thing that gets him going and driving the baseball with a little bit more regularity and being a little bit more of a run producer in the middle part of this order and providing power because that's what he has to be right now, a 424 slug and going to get it done.
0: Yeah, and that's something that I think we can ex- expand on uh, a little bit deeper into. And hopefully we start to see that slug go up the remainder of this week, uh, as you just said there, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of not comfortable with him being the everyday first baseman at this level that he's playing at right now. When you have other options on this team who are hitting the ball and can offer similar level defense, uh, to Andrew one, but uh I digress. A couple other news and notes. Uh my son got ejected from a baseball game today on some egregious umpiring. And I loved the, the passion, Steve. You're a big passion guy. Uh I loved seeing the passion come out of Gavin Sheets tonight when he got ejected uh after not one but two missed calls in the same at bat. I was mad for him. Um, I, I I don't know, Steve. I haven't seen him explode like this. Um, on the baseball field before it was a different side of Gavin sheets that I've seen. Um, you know, I, we already talked and mentioned about the home runs, uh, that he's hitting, uh, but more time for Gavin sheets here on the show. I, I thought it was awesome to see him get tossed. He was going to get defensively replaced in this ball game anyway, as Pedro Graffold was inevitably going to put Jake Riznick in or, you know, Hazley or whoever it was going to be at the time to go in there. Cause that's just what Pedro Graffold does. I loved it. I loved seeing that it's more fireworks on my broadcast.
1: Everyone knows I'm a big fire and passion kind of guy. You know, I, I love that fire. You know, I love that DW, DW. Um, you, you you do enjoy seeing that a little bit. And this team has kind of shown signs of life here over the last two nights. Um, you know, I can tell you from being in the ballpark yesterday there was a little bit of a vibe there going um, a little bit when they knocked around Shane Beaver. So kind of carry that over here today. Um, and then with Gavin getting heated the way he was and justifiably so it's almost like what did, did the alarm clock finally go off <laughs> for this team here? And uh, well, and actually, you know what? I think I pinpointed it. We've had consecutive seven ten starts, Anthony. We
0: have, so I mean, I mean, I think we, I think we pinpointed it. It tracks, it tracks seven, before, seven before the
1: season for preparing to kick the opposition's ass at seven ten. What has happened? We've had two consecutive seven ten starts. Look at the output,
0: Steve. The you bring Steve up a great, You 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 bring up a great point here. Also, want to mention that. Um, Tomorrow's ball game is a 110 game. So we're going to see the results at play here, but maybe they can carry the 710 energy over to a 110 start and complete the sweep. Um, Any chance you think we can get a delay
1: of... to, to, to the game tomorrow? Maybe a sprinkler malfunction or something, you know, kind of like Boulder?
0: Roger Roger Bossard can probably cook something up. Yeah, we'll have to see uh, what happens there, but uh, tomorrow's ball game slated to be a, a 110 start. So we'll see if we can keep the uh, the 7, 10 5s going. Steve, a couple other notes on the pitching side. We saw Reynaldo Lopez come into an absolute jam uh, in, what was that, the 6th in- or 7th inning? 7th. Seven. Uh, 7th inning. Comes into a jam, bases loaded, and uh, he works his way out of it despite giving up one run via a walk there. But I thought, I liked the usage of Reynaldo Lopez there versus in a higher leverage spot. Um I thought it let him work. Maybe he gets a little bit of confidence off of this. What are your thoughts here on, on Reynaldo Lopez's inning? I thought it was fine given the circumstances.
1: Yeah. I mean, I obviously I didn't like the walk to force in a run there. Um You know, I think particularly when you're up seven to one at, at that juncture, you just obviously got to go out there and you got to be aggressive, um trying to pound the strike zone. But you know, he did come into a jam in that particular spot. Um, you know, Klob kind of ran out of gas there to start the seventh inning. And so uh, Ray Lowe coming in there to, you know, not clean inning, as as they would say in in the business here. Uh, you know, I, I have bet a big uh, Ray Lowe guy, Bradley. Hey, you know, you're, you're not wrong in that. Um, but to your point about the leverage situation here, look, he's played himself out of high leverage. Uh, to this point, because he just hasn't been performing, and I think if you look at the emergence of Joe Kelly since he has been back from the injured list and just the overall stuff that he's been putting
0: out there, it's really kind of and oh, that was a wow. guy that we took to task on this show, oh, 100%. 100% and, Joe ju- Kelly. and justifiably
1: I, so, and he's going out there, a little
0: crow on that, <laughs> yeah. And he's going out there and he's
1: just absolutely shoving right now, and and um, he's put himself in that position to be that high leverage guy. And, you know, with the return of Liam Hendricks here at some point in the coming days, you know, you now can kind of start to maybe see the layout of a late inning bullpen for Pedro Grafola, obviously having Liam Hendricks there in the ninth inning, and then Joe Kelly and Kendall Graveman there in the, in the seventh, eighth innings. And then Garrett Crochet, who we still haven't seen in a game yet since he was reinstated there. You've now got a couple of guys here into some slots that maybe you can start to align this bullpen in a way that you could potentially shorten games up and start to see some better performances from from the bullpen and being able to hold some leads late in games.
0: Yeah, and Liam Hendricks is, is getting pretty close here, Steve. I know that uh, prior to the game today, they said he's going to need another – Appearance down there in Charlotte, but uh, no official plans as to when he'll return. I kind of have this weekend series pegged as, as the return time for, for Liam Hendricks, even if we don't see him until potentially Sunday-ish appear in the actual ball game, I would think he's coming back uh, pretty soon. How about you?
1: Yeah, I would think maybe if they can uh, get him in the game tomorrow, um for for charlotte i i can't i can't remember if charlotte plays or not but it but if they do you know if they can get him in there and then just get him activated get him up here for friday um you know started that series against kansas city because I, I would feel like they would want to have him return at home to give him that opportunity and that moment in front of the home crowd uh be able to do the whole light show so you would think that Friday night feels like the time that they would want to try to get that done. Now, whether or not they would want to have him go back to back days, um, you know, potentially if he were to throw tomorrow and then have to get on a plane up to Chicago, you know, who who knows about that.
0: Yeah, we'll see what happens here. But I I, I would expect it will be a Friday or a Saturday um, appearance for Liam Hendricks. Um, that's just my thoughts. A uh, couple other uh, bullpen notes here. Joe Kelly, again, we just sort of touched on him, worked a clean inning, uh, and then Kendall Graveman comes in to shut it down. We did see Garrett Crochet get up. I thought it would have been the perfect opportunity for Crochet to enter a ball game. I'm not sure if this was just a scheduled get up and throw or uh, you know what exactly that was about, uh, given the lead at the time. I, I figured we would have had Garrett Crochet close that down, but uh, Kendall Graveman gets through it. No problem. Game over on a double play. And uh Steve, again, I love victory beers, and, and that's what we're having right now on the Sox on tap post game show. Sox win by a final of seven to two. I just I want to see more of these. I want to do more of these postgame victory shows. Feels good to have this starting to creep back in, especially against a divisional opponent, as you mentioned earlier. Um, day by day, man. Day by day, that's sort of how we're going to have to take these things.
1: That's the thing that just kind of irritates me a a little bit and gets me a little hot under the collar is seeing them come out here these last two nights and put together these two performances against Cleveland. Everybody knows that I hate them sons of bitches from the mistake by the lake with every fiber of my being. So to see them come out here, have these performances – At the start of a series, when you're 14 games below 500, it just makes me so fucking mad at how they squandered so many games early on in the season to put themselves in this position. Um, It just it's it's infuriating, for lack of a better term.
0: It is, and I feel that as well. Obviously, it was. You know, I'm not trying to make excuses here. None of these teams in the AL Central stack up to anything that's going on right now in the AL East. You want the White Sox to be in a position here, Steve. I would even be okay if we were near 500 at this point, because at least it feels as if we're somewhat in the race. There's still a lot of ground to make up. Granted, eight games back right now, the only team in the division above 500 is the Minnesota Twins. And we played them pretty well. It, it is infuriating because this is such a winnable division for the amount of talent that's on this team. I don't think that anybody listening to the show can really argue with that. They, should, they They were built to win this division. Um, and so there's still a considerable amount of ground to make up. But I'd like to close this gap on, on Cleveland here with another victory that puts us, I believe... Two behind them in the uh, left-hand columns, Dave. Um, we played a couple more ball games than them, I believe. Here, so uh, again, a lot of ground to make up, but you've got to start somewhere if you're going to do it. And you know, let's beat Kansas City at home here this weekend and not do what we just did last week. I would, I would like that very much.
1: Yeah, it would be uh, very helpful. It, I think it would be really fascinating if this team could find a way to, you know, have a 6-0 and week at home. Um, knowing that next week you head out on the road to Cleveland and then to Detroit, um, that would be, uh, it, it would be good to see them just string together a really strong week of baseball and just put some positive vibes back out there.
0: I, I I would very much like that, and they've started to lay the the foundation here. We're not going to go into the whole building houses thing, but we've started to lay a little bit of a foundation. Dylan Cease takes the mound tomorrow, Steve. Uh, he's got a four point eight six ERA, fifty four strikeouts on the year. He's two and two. He's going up against Allen, three point four three ERA, twenty four strikeouts. He's one and one. Uh, this should be the Dylan Cease gets back on ace level shit game for the Chicago White Sox. I want to see him go out there and throw fucking eight innings of two-hit baseball tomorrow. That's that's what I'm looking for. I would like to see that as well. Um,
1: you know, the only thing that we always have to watch for with Dylan Cease is elevated pitch counts and, um, you know, running deep counts to individual hitters. And look, you know, we all know that these Cleveland guardian hitters, they don't strike out a ton. So, and, and they're pesky and, you know, guys like Stephen Kwan, You know, are still out there fouling off a lot of pitches. So the idea that, you know, Dylan Cease may only be able to get through six innings is a very real possibility. And so I'm almost wondering if tomorrow we see the season debut for Garrett Crochet kind of piggybacking off of Dylan Cease you know, so this way you go righty into a lefty. Um, I think that's something that would actually line up pretty well if the Sox are in a position to win a baseball game here. And, um, you know, those two kind of going in tandem with each other could be pretty nasty.
0: I agree with that. And I was actually thinking that myself, Steve, Um I, in terms of what the Garrett Crochet plan was, I believe they were stretching him out to do two innings. So if you get – Garrett Crochet in the 6th, 7th or even the 7th, 8th turn it over to uh, take your choice here. Let's oh, right. the ride, Joe, ride Joe Kelly
1: at this point. I would
0: ride <laughs> Joe Kelly. I'm not sure though, Steve. Have we seen Joe Kelly pitch back-to-back days yet this season? Oh, uh. I feel like there was one instance of it. I mean, it, okay. I know it hasn't
1: been a commonplace thing. Um, I just wasn't
0: sure if it was contractual as it was last <laughs> season until, like, I believe the calendar flipped to June or July or something. But uh, I would ride Joe Kelly in that, that closer role until we see Liam Hendricks come back. That's what I'd yeah. do
1: if, no, if I would do. No, I agree that. with that assessment completely. So hopefully they can uh, lay that foundation so to speak, and uh, have that game plan in place. You get those eighteen outs from Dylan Cease, then you can get six outs from Garrett Crochet, and then you turn that thing over to Joe Kelly. That seems like a pretty nice blueprint, right there.
0: It does. We've we've laid out the blueprint for success tomorrow, Steve. Do you have a pick to click?
1: Yeah. So we got a lefty on the mound tomorrow, uh, going for uh, the Cleveland Indians here. So, um, you know, in that particular spot, I mean. Rake Berger. We all know what he does against left-handed starters.
0: It's uh I love that you dead named the guardians there, so that was that was a nice addition to the show. Yeah, so um it's it's gonna happen. I
1: feel like Mr. Burger, he's gonna go and he's gonna find those left field bleachers once again.
0: All right, I'm gonna go with Gavin Sheets. I don't know why, maybe he's not even in the lineup tomorrow, but uh Somebody's got to pick up this home run streak uh, that ended for Mr. Luis Robert Jr. today. Uh, his finishes at four. Uh, I'd like to see Gavin get in there. I know it's a lefty on the mound, so the the chances of him playing are slightly diminished there. I don't, I, although I don't want to see a Jake Marisnik start um, in right field or or Hazely, but I can see. I just no punt lineups tomorrow, please. Is, is what i'm asking for i'm gonna go Gavin sheets
1: i like it i think you hit on a very important point right there there should be a sense of urgency uh for Pedro Grifo and not conceding this ball game throw just because
0: you've already won the series would be a very sound strategy i i, I agree with that stephen and that's uh that's pretty much all we have here today thank you to those who have tuned in. Once again, follow us on Twitter at SoxOnTap. on Tap. Make sure you're checking out ontapsportsnet.com for all of your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. You can follow Steve at nwi underscore Steve, myself at Tony on Tap, and Steve. We'll close this down, how we always do. White Sox forever.
1: White Sox for
0: life.